Welcome to the November edition of Write on Audio, the podcast for writers everywhere. In this edition, presented by me, Tiffany Clare, we'll have more reasons to be cheerful from Palak Tawari and Lucy Kaufman. We'll share some writing tips from Claire Bass, and we'll have an interview with author Sarah Grant. Our showcase this month is presented by Dia Pardia. As always, we start the podcast with a welcome from write-on editor Madeline White. Hello, my name's Madeline, and I'd like to welcome you to the November episode of Write-on Audio, the podcast by and for writers everywhere. Write-on connects emerging and established writers to each other, the publishing industry and a wider audience in a real celebration of diversity, originality and excellence in writing. We're so glad you enjoyed our October episode and look forward to bringing you some wonderful new voices and ideas over the coming months. December's episode, which will be aired towards the end of the month, will see Farzana Hakim showcasing pieces from her popular write-on extra Thursday Connectors page. And as December's showcase editor, Ethna Cullen will be sharing Christmas poetry and winter flash fiction, along with some traditional favourites. As ever, we're actively looking for new contributors to our podcast, with the listeners' contribution slot open for submissions. Do check out guidance on my editor's introduction on the Pentaprint homepage at pentaprint.org. If you enjoy Hugh's fictional take on whether we can ever break free of the confines of tradition and convention and what the price might be if we do, challenge yourself to create a listener contribution for us. You can either record it yourself as a five-minute slot or send it across as a written piece and an actor will record it for you. We welcome fiction and non-fiction as well as multimedia creative pieces but we do want to hear that sense of purpose and voice. Also, don't forget to get in touch if you want to share your festive reasons to be cheerful. Maybe a haiku about being glad the in-laws can't make it this year. Whatever your take, a short, snappy recording as poetry and prose that tells us about you as well would be fab. We do hope you enjoy this episode of Write On Audio and please continue to listen, engage and make sure you get in touch with your opinions and ideas. Reasons to be cheerful from Right On Audio. This month's reasons to be cheerful come from playwright and screenwriter Lucy Kaufman and from Right On's Palak Tavari. First, here's Lucy with a reason to be cheerful all movie buffs will relate to. We can be grateful for a psychological fault in the human brain called persistence of vision which allows us to believe in the illusion that a series of still images are moving. Without this fault, cinema would not have been invented. We would have no movie cameras or projectors, no somewhere over rainbows or red heels clicking together in The Wizard of Oz. No, we'll always have Paris on a foggy runway at the end of Casablanca. No tears of joy for George Bailey at the end of It's a Wonderful Life. There would be no video, probably no development into digital moving images, and therefore no Netflix, YouTube, no cat videos. And who knows, maybe no popcorn. Hi, I'm Palak Tiwari, a writer from London. It's mainly the unconditional love of my family and waking up each day fine and healthy. It's meeting my friends or giving them a ping. 
plus the colors of the sunrise every morning. It's walking by the sea, scrumptious food, a warm hug, and all the beautiful sights. Our busy working career, as well as lazing with coffee or tea under the lights. And most definitely, books and travel that take me to places old and new. My reasons to be cheerful are but a few. Thanks to Lucy and Palak. We'd love to hear your reasons to be cheerful. Get in touch by email at pentaprint at lbbd.gov.uk. Here at Write on Audio, we're looking forward to sharing lots of writing tips with you as we help to inspire and suggest ideas for your writing. As the nights are now longer, it's a great time to curl up with a book. And this month, Write On's deputy editor and award-winning indie writer Claire Buss talks about the importance of reading for writers. Hi, it's Claire, deputy editor at Write On magazine, and I'm here to give you my top 10 reasons why you should be reading. Number one, reading is stimulating. Remember the last time you read a great book? It probably got your heart racing or made you think differently about something. Perhaps it scared you, made you laugh or cry. Either way, it got your brain working out and that is always a good thing. Number two, it's stress-free. Unless you are the author on a deadline to write the story, of course. But otherwise, reading takes you away from the stresses of daily life and helps you to relax. Number three, you learn things, probably without even realising it when you're reading fiction. Your stimulated, stress-free brain is able to soak up little tidbits and share them later with other book lovers. Number four. Your vocabulary expands. Strictly speaking, that comes under learning, but this in addition to facts and such like, so it gets its own bullet point. That stress-free, stimulated learning brain is acting like a sponge, and the ability to articulate is a handy skill throughout your life. Number five. Reading a book isn't just a matter of looking at groups of letters on a page. You've got to remember characters, plots, subplots, locations, descriptions, made all the more complicated if you enjoy reading sci-fi and fantasy novels with their otherworldly names, large casts and multiple books. It's great memory workout for that stimulated brain. You're looking good. Number six. The more you read, the better you become at critiquing, reviewing and discussing books with others the more likely you are to write a review and the more an author will love you. Number seven, it helps you focus. In our social media fueled world of hashtags and emojis, everyone can agree that news feeds, no matter the platform, run too fast to keep up with and continually scrolling is a massive time waster. So instead of losing focus and being distracted every five seconds by new posts and notifications, why not lose your concentration in a book and feed your beautiful brain? Number eight, One of the most well-known maxims within the writing community is that to write, you must read. And every writer I know is a huge reader too. These writers tend to devour their favourite genres, and most dabble in others as well. You can't write well if you're not well read. Number nine, inner peace. Well, maybe not if you're reading gloriously dark horror or a terrifying thriller, but enjoyable reading can lead to tranquility and calm in that happy, stimulated, unstressed brain of yours. Number 10. Free entertainment. Well, mostly free. Love your local library and indulge in your reading habit. Follow favourite authors, explore your genre and get free ebooks from new writers. That's right. We authors will give you free books to help keep your brain healthy and happy. And that's it. My top 10 reasons on why you should be reading. 
in our December podcast for some advice on planning your writing from novelist Patrick Forsyth. Sarah Grant is the author of numerous books and series aimed at children and teenagers. Her young adult novel, Dark Parties, won the Society of Children's Book Writers and Illustrators Crystal Kite Award for Europe, and she is currently working on a series for young readers called Magic Tricks. Sarah was born in the American Midwest and now lives in London. The interviewer is Charlotte Webb, an illustrator and writer from Wolverhampton. So we know that you were born and raised in the USA and that you graduated from university with degrees in journalism and psychology. But what inspired you to complete your master's degree in creative and life writing? And moreover, why in London? I had a life way before that was very different. And I worked in an office. I worked in public relations for big corporations and, and nonprofits and all kinds of things for 17 years. And, and I loved I loved working uh, in public relations. I was really lucky. I had wonderful bosses and I had a really made a lot of friends also along the way. Um, but from eight years old, I wanted to be a writer. And when I was looking at going to school, my parents were lovely and and they had said um, they'd saved a little bit of money. My mom was a teacher. My dad was a banker in this small town. And so they'd saved some money for my education. And when I said, you know, gosh, I want to be a creative writer, they said, oh, that's really great. But, you know, you need to get a proper job. And so mm-hmm. I got a proper job and uh, got degrees in psychology because I find it fascinating in journalism because that seemed super practical. Looking more at the public relations side, although I did do some writing in for different papers and things. But I always wanted to be a writer. And then um, life just throws you lots of curveballs. I um, I met uh, a British man standing in line at Universal Studios for the E.T. ride. Fast forward 15 years and uh, I moved over to the UK to marry him. Uh, and we've been married for 18 years, very, very happily. So I took that opportunity to change careers because uh, I still did some public relations when I moved over here because, you know, now with Zoom and and email and all that you can you can write anywhere in the world that you want um but i always always wanted to be a writer and so i took that opportunity to go to goldsmiths and get a master's uh and it was just the best experience um ever i would i would continue going to school if i had unlimited time and unlimited money i would never stop going to higher education because i absolutely love it and then a few years later um, Goldsmiths invited me back to teach their course in writing for children and teens. So there's been a nice um, kind of full circle feeling to my education. You describe yourself as a writer of multiple personalities and you write for various age groups within the younger market and you write stories of a wide spectrum of genres. How do you find the time and headspace to juggle all of these different personalities and get them down onto paper? I mean, the wonderful thing about being a writer is I'm only limited by my imagination. My first novel, Dark Parties, was an experiment when I was getting my master's degree from Goldsmiths. And I wanted to try to write some speculative fiction, kind of a futuristic dystopian. And so I just wrote a short story based on my experience immigrating to the UK. That was what inspired it. And I had never tried to write anything like that. And I wasn't sure I could even do that. And I had such great fun in it. And I mean, the thing about writing like futuristic um, speculative fiction is that you can kind of create a world, you know, that 
allows you to deal with themes and topics and issues that you want to deal with. And you kind of just get rid of everything else. And I love that because for me, writing is always about imagination, but also about exploration. I write because I'm interested, you know, that going back to our discussion about learning, I write because I want to, I want to meet fascinating people. I want to ask interesting questions. I want to read on a topic. I want to spend time thinking about a topic. And so dystopian fiction was a great place and, uh, and, and speculative fiction was a great place to do that. But, you know, I've written series fiction and, and there's some wonderful things about that. My series Chasing Danger, because um, you get to know characters and you get to love your characters and, and you understand how that world works. And it's not easy, but it's easier than to write the next book in the series and the next book in the series, because you really come to terms in that first book with what you want the series to be about. I'd really like to understand more about the relationships that writers have with the illustrators that they work with. And I appreciate that not all publishers make those introductions, but I also know there are authors and illustrators who just have the most magical partnerships, like Roald Dahl and Quentin Blake and Julia yeah. Donaldson and Ali, I can't say it, Axel Scheffler. Um, how do you work with the illustrators of your stories? And do you get much say in the visual development of your characters and the worlds that they're in? Um, well, beyond covers, um, Magic Tricks is kind of the one which was for seven to nine-year-olds and they had internal black and white illustrations. And I was really, really lucky that Orion um, was my publisher and Amber Caraveo was my editor. And so she did include me. So she would send me links to illustrators that she was looking at and, and she picked just the most gorgeous illustrator and the most lovely, lovely characters. And so I, I have, I have met my illustrator um, a few times, but not, but more at like book launches and things like that. We've happened to run into each other because I don't, we, I didn't really have a, a, a lot of connection with her. And, and at one point, cause it was my first uh, books that where I was going to have an illustrator. So I would, I highlighted in the text and I would try to like, create really fun moments for the illustrator and I would highlight in the text each chapter what I thought that in, in my first book, I should say, when I sent yeah. my first book to, to the editor and my editor, who is lovely and actually a dear friend of mine um, now said, you know, kind of Sarah, that's that's my job. And, you know, that's the illustrator's job to kind of pull out what she wants to illustrate. And I thought, oh, OK, that's great. Great. And so so I kind of would always try to think visually in each chapter, try to think what is the moment that my illustrator is going to pick and try to give her something really, really fun to illustrate. And she never, ever disappointed me. And so my only relationship is I would, so I would write the text and then an amount of time later, I would get these rough pencil drawings and I would get a chance to look at them. And, and my job was to, to only say if something wasn't right. So there were witches in training. And so they all had a familiar. And so maybe the familiar was with the wrong, the wrong person yeah. or, um, and, and one, interestingly, one time I had a witch doctor, a doctor of witches in one of my novels. And I had described him in a certain way and illustration came back and it wasn't how I described him, but it was 10 times better. And so <laughs> I changed the copy to match her illustration because she had just created this unbelievable character with this amazing coat and the and everything was just like, I'm like, yes, that is a better idea. I changed the text to match the illustration, but, but no, we typically, I mean, if you're Roll doll, I think it's a different issue, but typically <laughs> we don't really have an, and maybe a picture book is different, which I haven't read, 
I have it written, but typically we don't, I don't have, you don't have a lot of connection with the illustrators, but you do kind of have that conversation on the page. So I send, I send her my words and she sends me her pictures. And there is a lovely kind of dialogue that happens, even though we never pick up the phone or zoom or talk. Um, I was looking at some of your other novels and dark parties kind of struck me a little bit because it's very different. Um, it's a story about a 16 year old girl who's born into an isolated nation that struggles to connect with the outside world and its people, and as such is protected by a, a man-made barrier. Mm-hmm. Um, however, we learn that the people and the resources of the country are slowly dying out, and, and therefore this creates the starting point for the story that unfolds. What, if any, true events inspired this story? Well, uh, I was um, immigrating from the US to the UK. And when you do that, you get a lot of questions. um, And so you have to fill out forms and you have to document a lot of things, but also it it raised a lot of questions of, you know, identity. And, and, um, you know, I I remember when I moved over here, people would say, oh, that's very American of you. And I would think, I I think that's just very me of me. (laughs) You know, I don't, I don't think my whole culture acts and behaves but it was an interesting thing it was an interesting experience that that I hadn't had before and so you know you kind of take your paperwork and you go to a variety of windows and answer a lot of questions and I always kind of wondered what would happen if they would say no I'm sorry we don't want you in our country luckily they didn't and I'm now I have dual citizenship but it that kind of got me thinking what if a country said that's it no one's in no one's out no ideas come in we're completely isolated because they were this country was so worried about globalization i mean you know and, and immigration issues those kinds of questions were alive and well back then and they still are with us today i do hope that i maintain and continue to have that wonder of the world like a, kind of that childlike wonder because you know the world is a fascinating place, and there's always more to explore. Uh, I I often I also I don't have um, any children of my own, um, and and I think often I think that I write for children because I never switched sides. I never became a parent, so I think I I can still and not that you can if you're a parent can't get in the head of a child. Of course you can, but for me, I feel like I identify more with that child experience, with those with that wonder and awe and maybe sometimes angst of the world. Subscribing to Write On Audio is easy and will mean that you'll be notified the moment new editions are released. Many podcast apps will deliver new editions directly to your feed. In your favourite podcast app, search for Write On Audio and then look for a button or link that says subscribe. If you're listening on Spotify, you need to choose follow to subscribe, just as you would for a musician or band. We'll print more details in the show notes for this podcast, where you will also find links to our contributors and to the online version of Write On magazine. November's showcase editor, Dia Padia, is a 17-year-old student from Goa in India. A poet and writer, she is a recent addition to the Write On team. November is a very special month for me. My aspirations of connecting stories from all over the world brought me to pen to print and so to this showcase. This month, I shed light on celebrations and remembrance, power and wonder. 
we read about how the world celebrates with lights and one of the stories that stayed with me was bucket lanterns by anya from sri lanka anya shared about how her dim bond with her grandmother glowed in the lights of vesak indeed festivals strengthen the bond between family and this is beautifully conveyed by anya in her story bucket lanterns i never really got along with my grandmother she loved celebrating vesak and i didn't not that i had a choice she wanted all of us to participate i was scared of fire but no excuses made a difference we chose a bucket lantern either red green yellow purple or blue i liked blue folded the crumpled paper and melted candles to make them stand tall in our frail old lanterns carefully unfolding it hoping it wouldn't catch fire off we went to hang them up we have a huge garden but it was only that night i truly realized how big and intimidating it could be the further i went into it with only my little bucket lantern candle to guide my way the louder the crickets sang overpowering the silence as opposed to my siblings who hung their yellow and green lanterns on the very tall aralea tree i preferred little trees to hang them on everyone knew i was too scared to climb trees in the dark so my blue buckets swung from the smaller trees the lights in our garden were nothing compared to what lit up the streets lanterns of so many shapes and sizes hanging along the telephone lines christmas lights twisting around every tree and street lights and enormous pandals with beautiful illustrations of buddha's journey my grandmother didn't seem to mind though she just wanted our lanterns to be hung up i didn't see any point as the candles would burn out in a while the bucket lanterns falling to the ground i would have to clean it all up later but had to admit they looked beautiful There's something almost spiritual about these colorful flames against a black canvas of the sky. But the most awe-inspiring light of all is the pure white sphere of the moon. After everyone returned home and the bucket lanterns had burnt out, I caught my grandmother staring up at it. Out of a thousand shades of gray, it was the one thing we had in common. What other light can compete with a full moon? even in a sky full of stars The next piece that I'd like to share is a poem from the past that left me in awe Charlotte shared with us a poem written by her late grandfather when he was serving in Tunisia written back in 1943 This written account from the past is a treasure of nostalgia and wonder. There's blood on the sands of Tunisia. There's blood on the sands of Tunisia. The blood of the brave and the true as three nations they battled together beneath the banners of red, white and blue. So they marched over the plains of Tunisia. to the hills where the enemy lay they remember the words of their general 
the pass must be taken that day. So forward they marched into battle, their faces unsmiling and stern, for they knew as they marched up the hillside that many would never return. Some thought of their wives and their mothers, and some of their sweethearts so fair, and some, as they plodded and stumbled, were softly whispering a prayer. There's blood on the sands of Tunisia, they gave for the freedom they love. May their names live in glory forever, and their souls rest in heaven above. This month, we also celebrated the light of girlhood on Right On. One of the lovely submissions was a poem titled The House with Two Candles by Erin White. Let's listen. There once was a house with two candles. They provided enough light to see. One of those candles had been you, and the other had been me. Both of us had had our struggles, and one flame was often weakened, but the other candle had always been there instead, acting like a beacon. Lately, my flame has not been the brightest, so you've shone with all your might, but soon there will be two houses that we both must keep alight. I know your flame will always be there, promising to keep me aglow, but as the two houses separate, my light will also have to show. My candle has all of the pieces, the wax, the wick and the flame, but as the house gets bigger, my light has remained the same. The fire is burning away and now just dimly waves. My candle is waiting for another spark. With that, the light will be saved. But I know the spark won't come. Instead, I must just do my best. But accepting that the time is now and not later is really hard to digest. The house will keep on growing, so my fire must do so too. And I can believe that I can do that. And that is all thanks to you. You will always be my shelter. You will always be my light. And I always know with you, I'll never be alone in the night. My candle is trying to burn, and it is slowly getting there. It knows exactly what it needs to do, but sometimes it just feels scared. You heard Bucket Lanterns by Anya Wickramanayaka. There's Blood on the Sands of Tunisia by Fred Herbert Courtney Boucher and The House with Two Candles by Erin White. The reader was Sally Walker-Taylor. Hear more from Dia next month when she'll be interviewing best-selling author Sue Moorcroft on Write on Extra and Write on Audio. Write on Audio. For writers everywhere. November's Listener of the Month is Hugh Pryor, who writes poetry and prose under the name H.B. O'Neill. His story, Unshackled Then Freed, tells the expectation, decision-making, bravery and escape, as well as the aftermath of momentous change. The reader is Carl Wharton. Work hard all your life and then retire. Be happy, finally. Do what you've always wanted to do, 
buy a boat, live on a boat, escape the life you've never escaped from. Mum, dead. Dad, dead. Wife, dead. No kids. No one to judge. No one to offer advice that is in truth opinion. Narrow opinion. Laugh. <laughs> no, don't. Don't fake it. Don't revert to the safety of cynicism. Not anymore. Don't allow it. Don't sully the dream. Sell the farm. Buy a boat. Sail away. Or stay in the bay. But have the option. Allow the possibility. Buy a boat. The northwest of Ireland is rich only in folklore. The land is rocky, barren, boggy. The mountain folk tough but historically impoverished. Sell the farm and buy a small boat. But sell the farm. He did. Jason did. Jason Midwinter Riley. He sold the farm at the age of 73. And he bought a boat. The locals laughed. They mocked him gently at the bar. And savagely when he left. When he escaped. He knew they would. He knew the rules. He wasn't living in Dublin. Or even Cavan Town. He'd done what none of them would do. He'd bought a boat in Bantry Bay. He traded tradition in favour of the unknown. Jason knew nothing of boats. He wouldn't sail until he was ready. He lived aboard a boat that stayed moored. September, October, November. Sea air and bracing walks. Cigarettes and seagulls. Ma Murphy's for occasional libation. <laughs> a quiet pint in a quiet corner. Contemplation under the shadow of Wolftone's statue. Reflection on rebellion. Jason missed his horses, but it had been fairest to release them too. On Tuesdays he bought sausage rolls from the Box of Frogs Bakery. The storm came on a Thursday. Market day back in Leitrim. The boat was moored in a very summerly fashion. Jason Midwinter Riley took his first voyage at 3 a.m. on Friday. The wreckage was found six weeks later. Jason had not been reported missing. News eventually spread and glasses were raised back home. There were pints of two halves. Jars of salute and jars of satisfaction. One of Write on Extra's most popular pages is called Thoughtful Tuesday and it's edited by award-winning poet and author Ethna Cullen. Hello, my name's Ethna Cullen. I'm the page editor of Tuesday's Thoughtful Tuesday page of Write on magazine. Today I'm going to share some writing from my November page with you. We've been thinking about the theme of looking at the world with wonder and in particular through the eyes of a child. So I've got two pieces to share with you. One is a memoir from Vic Howard, 
who tells us about Barking Fair way back in the past when he was growing up. And the other is a poem about the wonder of seeing your sibling for the first time. So the first piece is by Vic Howard. Vic submitted this through our window at Pen to Print. And it tells of his experiences as a young man going to the fair in Barking. The stands occupying the centre of the fairground were the roller penny kind or lucky dip. There were few eating places apart from a candy floss stall and hot dog stands. Eating was not the never-ending pastime it is today, and the now ubiquitous Coca-Cola was still a foreign luxury, rarely seen in Britain. Pizzas had not yet arrived in Britain, nor had hamburgers. Blue jeans also had yet to become a fashion item, though they could be bought in shops selling workwear, thick, heavy and dark blue, not the elasticated light blue of today's spray-on varieties. The girls still wore long skirts or dresses, while the boys looked as tough as they could, and if they could afford it, wear long jacketed teddy boy suits and slick haircuts. The older generation still wore suits and ties, and often hats. Dodgem cars were a popular attraction, as were the large roundabouts, especially the one that had a cover that swung over the occupants as it swirled round. It was called the Caterpillar. After a few turns, the cover would suddenly fold back and spectators hoped they would find couples kissing. All very innocent. I hate heights, so avoided the big wheel, but I did venture on the giant swings once and regretted it very quickly. My stomach and my head objected to the experience. And now I'm going to share a poem called Black and White Years, which was also submitted through the pen to print portal, and it came from a poet called A.J. Wilson. Black and White Years Sat on a plump settee, curly-haired with a big bow, a cute girl four years old, gripping a bundle in her lap. Her big brown eyes look back at the camera. She's not impressed. What is this thing on my lap, wrapped in a blanket, staring at me? We were happy as a family of three. What will you pretend to be? I'm told I will love you. I will be your big sister, new brother of mine. So thank you to both of those people for submitting to our page. And I do hope that other people will be inspired to submit at pentaprint.org. It's time for our monthly roundup of the highlights of the upcoming writing courses and workshops from our parent organisation, Pen to Print. Because December is the festive season, our regular programme finishes on the 18th of the month, with only the first week offering our usual mix of classes on creative writing, poetry playwriting, and screenwriting. However, despite this curtailed December programme, we'd love to see you, so do come along. To book free tickets and get more details of these and many other events being held in December and in early 2022, please visit pentaprint.org forward slash events. As always on Write on Audio, we'd love to hear from you wherever you are and however far you are along your writing journey. For our next edition, we're especially looking for your Christmas reasons to be cheerful. Here's how you can get in touch with your stories, poems, thoughts or suggestions for the podcast. 
contact us by email at pentoprint at lbbd.gov.uk. We look forward to hearing from you. Thank you for listening to Write on Audio. If you've enjoyed the podcast, please recommend us to your friends. And don't forget to subscribe so that future editions are delivered directly to you. If you could give us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, we'd be incredibly grateful. My name's Tiffany Clare, and I've been the presenter in this edition of Write on Audio. Production, sound design and editing have been by Chris Gregory. And Write on Audio is an alternative stories production for pen to print.